This episode was brought to you by Pod People Productions. To find more episodes of this show and others, please visit podpeople.me. It's podcasts for the weird at heart. You're listening to Keep Screaming, a horror podcast from two best friends dissecting horror movies one by one. My name is Ryan Larson. And my name is B-Bass. Every two weeks, we will bring you a brand new episode where we dissect a slasher film from top to bottom. We will look at the movie as a whole, going over the story, the casting, music choices, go kill by kill, and then rank it on how it succeeds as a slasher film. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at ScreamingCast or by searching Keep Screaming. You can find me at B not B, that's B-E-E, not B-E-A, and Ryan at Ryan Larson. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and Castbox, or online at podpeople.me or keepscreaming.com. This week we are dissecting 2000's Cherry Falls, directed by Jeffrey Wright. But first our pop culture check-in. For new listeners, our pop culture check-in is a chance for you to get to know what we've been watching, reading, and consuming outside of our movie this week, as well as life updates. We are also jo- joined by a special guest this week. Um, we have Molly Henry on the show. Hello. Cue <laughs> <laughs> awkward hello. Yeah, always. Um, if you guys are not familiar with Molly, she is kind of everywhere on the internet. <laughs> so um, I'm going to let her break down where you can find her because like I said, um, I mean, I know you have your own blog, but also that you are kind of um, freelancing at a lot of different places right now. So um, feel free, go ahead, self-promote. <laughs> yes, um, most of my stuff, uh, film reviews can be found on my own website, thebloggingbanshee.com. You can also find my work at Dakota Films, 1428 Elm, Ghastly Grinning, Nightmarish Conjuring, uh, Gaily Dreadful. <laughs> um, I already said Nightmarish Conjuring, didn't I? Um, Certified Forgotten, Fangoria, and soon to be also part of We Are Horror, which is exciting. Yes, yeah, Molly will be in the premiere issue of We Are Horror. And your um, Certified Forgot is a column, correct? Yes, that that's my uterus horror column. It was initially part of Fangoria, but for reasons that anyone who's on Twitter knows about, um, I decided to move it, and Certified Forgotten was kind enough to give me uh, a platform. And my first uh, article for them just came out in July, and... Yeah, I'm excited to continue it because there are a lot of films that I can talk about with that. <laughs> so. Yes. That's super so. exciting. And I'm glad you found a new home. And they're great. I, I love the Certified Forgotten team. They've been very encouraging. So, Yeah, both the mats are a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, just good dudes. Um, let's see, life updates. I moved to Los Angeles, so I'm here now. Yeah, uh, and then the, in the two weeks since we recorded, he's abandoned me. Uh huh. Um, there was an earthquake last night. I took that as Los Angeles officially welcoming me um, into the city. I know. So I like how you tweeted about that, and everybody's like, "Oh, welcome to California." And I'm like, "No, well, you know." I saw that too, and I was like, "Well, I've always been here." <laughs> like, I, 
literally never lived in another state but just los angeles and also i have felt earthquakes before like we have them in northern california too i know Um, but i love how it's that kind of like that mentality i mean it kind of does feel like that that we're like just two separate states like norcal and socal oh big time yeah um so because of that though i haven't had a lot of time to watch movies because i have spent most of my time moving and then like acclimating and um you know i'm I work Starbucks and uh, as my day job, so like getting used to my new store, which is in a very fancy area. If you're not familiar with Los Angeles or the areas nearby, it's called Pacific Palisades. It's technically a suburb of Santa Monica, um, and it is really affluent white people. So, um, you know, hopefully from no, no one from Starbucks listens to this podcast because I will say right now the drinks are very particular um and they get very upset if it's not exactly the way they want it (laughs) and you mean one of your um customers from your uh store you hope they're not listening or just a starbucks person in general i just i mean like kevin johnson (laughs) like the ceo of starbucks because he probably right right right. um yeah yeah, the big the big slasher fan yeah, he'd probably be like, hey, man, we can't talk about our customers that way. So, I mean, that's the main one I'm worried about. But, um, yeah. oh, I did, I guess I, I watched She Dies Tomorrow, which uh, I can't go into because I don't know. Uh, I got to write my review. I think the embargo's up. But that movie gave me supreme anxiety um, while still being excellent. So that's what I will say about She Dies Tomorrow. I I watched a movie. So did we talk about this last week? I think so. So I somehow managed to get hired to do a job for Netflix. Um, and so I created two assets um, with my design partners. We have a design firm called Team V uh, for The Kissing Booth 2, um, which came out on Friday. So that was a very big day in our household, Um, and we watched the movie, and I paraded around all day in Netflix swag and bragged to anybody who would listen to me that my shit was on Netflix. Um, So that was super exciting, and uh, watched the movie, Kissing Booth 2. If you like rom-coms, I mean, Netflix is definitely like now becoming the experts in that field for sure just absolutely filling the void of just fun romantic comedies and then on on varying degrees this one's more on like the like the younger silly side and then like a step up and like slightly more serious like to all the boys I've loved before and then uh then they go into some like more adult ones uh god what was that one that I loved last year oh my goodness can't believe I know I talked about it on the podcast before. I'm like totally forgetting the name of it. Um, shoot. Well, I can't remember. But they have been killing it and support me and watch the kissing booth too. I will say I totally had like a Leonardo DiCaprio moment from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood because I saw one of your designs on my Netflix and I was like, oh, oh, and did the pointing thing. <laughs> Oh boy. <laughs> um, that's amazing. Thank you for telling me that. Um, yeah, apparently the word from the inside is that our like design is doing well. Um, it's getting shown to like 
mil- like millions of people have seen it. And that's just like something I can't actually wrap my head around. Uh, yeah. So that's my big uh, pop culture check-in. I don't, I'm sure other things happened in the last two weeks. I'm sure I watched something, but nothing has really entered my brain. Um, or it has, and I've forgotten it. It's really bad right now. I feel like I'm yeah, not. Your memory's been pretty shot lately. It's been like atrocious. Um, I, it's, I think I just have a lot on my plate right now, and so I think I'm only absorbing so much. <sighs> yeah, I tried to tell Ryan my brain was broken, and <laughs> I kept texting him that my brain was brown. Yeah. So that's where I am in the world right now. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know if brains are brown. I was like, and she's like, I'm pretty sure they're pink. And I was like, yeah, or gray when they're oxidized. And she's like, but pink <laughs> when they're not. And I mean, we just got to a weird conversation about brain. That's kind of amazing, though. We have a strange yeah. friend. Here. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and now I'm just, anytime I'm just utterly <laughs> out of it, I'm just be like, yeah, sorry, brown brain. That'll probably stick. It's going to stick. Yeah. Uh, Molly, what have you watched, read, or any of these things? Um, unfortunately, my best friend got me hooked on TikTok. So that oh. has consumed my life for the past week. Um, I basically just moved to different places in my house while scrolling through videos. And I've already made like 10 videos also. <laughs> it's bad. Um I think the last actual movie that I watched was Impedigor, which is ah, amazing, and I absolutely love it. Um, but yeah, I, I honestly think that was the last movie I watched, and I watched it on Tuesday or Wednesday of last week. So it's I've been really bad lately. <laughs> I need to be better. Although one of my Twitter followers, I don't know who it was because they didn't include a note or anything, but someone was nice enough to buy me the super nice Blu-ray of Possession. Uh, I saw I'm that. I'm super excited because I've never seen it and I'm going to watch it this weekend. The only reason I waited is because my husband wants to watch it too. Um, so we're going to watch it probably on Saturday and I'm very excited. I've watched a lot of things in my life because my husband also wants to watch it. And then that never happens. He's like, oh, yeah, wait for me. Wait for me. I want to watch that. I'm like, okay, yeah, cool, yeah. cool. And then like three years later, I'm like, hey, so you know that movie we were supposed to watch three years ago? I'd still like to see that. Can I watch it? Like, has the time passed? Am I allowed to watch it without <laughs> you yet? Aquaman. I just watched Aquaman. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, our DVR is almost full right now because of all the shows that we're supposed to watch together, but he – his schedule changes all the time and he's never home. So I'm just like, there are two episodes left in, that we have to watch for the last season of killing Eve that we still haven't watched. And it's been over for like a month or two now. I'd like to finish it. You guys just, just watch them and then be surprised one day when you finally watch it again with them. Like, Oh my God. Well, For me, it would be like watching it for the first time because enough time would have passed that I would have completely forgotten what happened. <laughs> True. Uh, before we move on, I did want to at least shout out because Molly mentioning Impedagore made me think of Watch Host on Shutter. Um, it is a Zoom horror movie uh, that they like made during the quarantine. Uh, Rob Savage did it. it. It clocks in like just under sixty minutes, so it's you know like barely a movie, but it's really good. Um, like 
yeah, just a, a very inventive, uh, actually scary found footage movie that I would highly encourage checking out. Uh, that would be the one. And it came out today. We're recording on a Thursday. Um, so it came out, yeah, today. But uh, Impedagore is also on Shutter. So if you guys don't have Shutter, obviously get Shutter and then go watch Impedagore and Host. Yeah, I already uh, told Ryan that he needs to uh, follow through on that promise from last episode. Yeah, I will eventually get us a Shutter code, I swear. I can do that somehow. I don't know. <laughs> Connections. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I know people. I don't know. We hope so. Uh, cool. So we're going to jump into the movie for uh, this episode. Um, staying on brand for us, we have picked another movie from the 2000s. It's actually from the year 2000, um, so the millennium. Yeah, you know how and, everybody talks about how there's no slasher movies past Scream past the 90s well somehow we found them all and have already recorded on all of them <laughs> i know it's really sad we're almost like we're probably almost done with the 2000s already like the aughts have luckily given us more but the actual 2000s i mean it's uh, it's probably like this and scream two and three or i mean well scream one two and three what's four in the 2000s well scream no no that was well screams Pre 2000, yeah, but then four is when. Yeah. That I was in Santa Cruz, so 2010 or 11. Gotcha. Yeah. So there's not a lot, but we are covering Cherry Falls from 2000. This synopsis, whew, I'm going to get through it. It's pretty big. Um, a serial killer with a difference. <laughs> what it is? I, I just I, I just copy paste here, y'all. From uh, where? A serial killer. Ryan, this uh, is what happens when I let him do the research. <laughs> That's from Rotten Tomatoes. Sure. Likely story. A serial killer with a difference. What does that even mean? Uh, I'm going to say a serial killer with – a serial killer is on the prowl <laughs> in a small Virginia town in this darkly comic horror story. Brent Markin is the sheriff of the city of Cherry Falls, a quiet community that suddenly has a big city problem to contend with when Markin discovers a murderer is on the loose. The killer is targeting teenage girls who attend the local high school, and his victims are all virgins. This causes no small amount of anxiety for Brent's teenage daughter, Jody, who is not as ready for intimacy as her boyfriend, Kenny. Brent has personal problems of his own to deal with. His relationship with his wife, Marge, has hit an impasse, and he shares a dark secret with Tom Sisler, the principal of the high school. This weirdly makes it sound like Brent is the main character. Uh, 100%. And also, yeah. there's like no storyline between him and his wife. I mean... I don't even know if they're ever on screen either. I don't think they share one scene together. Mm -mm. No. Um, so, I don't know. Thanks, Front Tomatoes. It was bigger than that. Like, you know, I, the IMDb one was literally like, a serial killer stalks the small town of Cherry Falls. So I was like, <laughs> okay, thanks. <laughs> so, Thank I you. Just trying to find I know him. a lot about yeah. the movie now. Um, this I, sounds yeah. like um, a movie, just not the one we watched. So that's okay. Mm -hmm. Right characters? Yeah, it definitely that's true. Also, yeah. I really uh, like uh, his teenager da daughter, Jody, who is not as ready for intimacy as her boyfriend. That's a really kind way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that, yeah. Just like, getting super horny. But uh, we'll get to that. Uh, the, release, the release of this film, sad, sad story. So we talked what? about yeah. these sort of circumstances... Well, we I know this has come up. Lord knows what episode, but we have talked about the fact that post Columbine, 
post scream, there was a lot of cutting and I mean, it led to the reason why like slashers weren't getting made. Uh, the Senate actually got involved with um, movies and the rating systems and highly encouraged the film industry to not make violent films that involve teenagers. Um, they were convinced that Columbine was related, like violence in film and video games was related to why these uh, kids were being violent in general and killing people, um, which is not true, but that was what the climate was at this time. And so uh, originally this film was meant to have a theatrical release, and this was the first film of the, I forget the name of the production company that put it on, um, but this was their first film, and they decided they didn't want to come out the gates um, with a movie that not only was about teenagers, that was extremely gory and violent, but also heavily, heavily involved with sex um, and rape revenge and a lot of other shit that they just didn't want out at the time. So it went straight to uh, the USA Network instead of having a theatrical re release in the States. Um, so yeah, it was shopped at Keynes in 99, sold for theatrical, and then all that shit happened. Um, oh yeah, USA Films was the production company, which I think was related to USA Network. Um, so it is, it was at the time and still is the most expensive made for TV movie technically ever at 14 million, um, which is just just such a shame. It really is just such a shame. It's just the wrong time for this film. Um, but that was October 20th of 2000 when it finally came out in the U S and, um, it did go to theaters in, uh, Europe. Um, in the UK, it had a release date of August 25th of 2000. So it came out, um, a little earlier than it did here in the States. Yeah. And it made about 1818,000 £1 pounds. Or eight hundred eighteen thousand pounds, I can speak, uh, which is about say that. yeah, uh, uh, which is about one point zero six seven million dollars in in the U.S. So I mean, definitely nowhere near the budget uh, recoup. Uh, I know what movie it was, by the way. B, it was um, all the boys love Mandy Lane. Got yes. pushed and pushed and pushed mm -hmm. because of post Columbine. Yeah. yeah, and that's why that movie came out in what was it two thousand six. Yeah, yeah, so it was like made way like years later. and years before mm -hmm. that. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah, same thing. Just violence in teenagers, they just studios were scared. Yeah, we'll eventually, eventually cover it, but like I know the entire plot of Scream 3 was changed because of that. There was like a big plot that Williamson wanted to do where like. Mm -hmm. um matthew lillard's character was gonna like have lived and been orchestrating all this stuff with the but like it was so still teen heavy and they were trying to move away from that like that they just completely skirted away from it uh 53 on rotten tomatoes uh 31 audience score which is kind of weird actually because in the horror community um uh, this movie is pretty well beloved so like usually when you see that the audience score is kind of higher um, yeah, I'm also surprised that it has 53% on Rotten Tomatoes. I yeah. wonder how many of those are, um, what's that word? 
not posthumous, but you know the word when it's after the movie is out, not during it. Posthumous. I mean, I, that's is the same thing. The same sure. thing. I mean, posthumous is after someone so, dies. Yeah. So it's basically yeah, that works. It's a horror movie. So it is from now on posthumous. <laughs> I'm using it. Yeah. I uh, would. Yeah. I yeah. wonder. Uh, well, I mean, a lot of them, Entertainment Weekly gave it a minus, said it might be the wittiest, most subversive teen thriller since Heather's. Bold statement. Um, all Movie gave it a favorable <laughs> review, saying of all the teen slasher fics that premiered after the wild, wildly successful Scream series, Urban Legend, etc., Cherry Falls will possibly go down as one of the most creative, but sadly unseen ones in the bunch, which I think is really accurate. Yeah, I was going to say that's a valid reveal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Nathan Raven of AV Club said smart at times but not nearly smart enough and peppered with good ideas it doesn't really know how to exploit Cherry Falls is just enough to make you wish it were far far better and then Matt Serafini of Dread Central ranked it number 7 in the list of top 10 high school horror films from 96 to present it's a very specific list (laughs) yes Um, but yeah I mean mostly well received for a slasher you know um Molly, I don't know like how much you look at that stuff, but since we've started the show, like usually slasher movies fall in like the seven to thirty percent mm-hmm. range. Yeah, I'd say so, thirty is usually we're like, oh wow, thirty. Yeah, nice. Yeah. So a fifty is actually like pretty high. And I wonder too, like with older slashers like this, because obviously Rotten Tomatoes has opened up who is tomato meter mm-hmm. approved. Um, so now there's more people like us on there that actually like the right. genre <laughs> that are reviewing this stuff. So with f- films like this that were older from before they opened that up, I wonder how many of those reviews are actually from people who like horror. Yeah, yeah. I always wonder about that too. Like we talk about that all the time because um, you can go back and you'll see some of the familiar names from like Dread and Bloody. Uh, but there is a lot of time where we're like, yeah, these people were not horror fans. Like, and you can just tell that like yeah. they didn't they didn't like the genre. So of course they're not going to give the movie a good rating. Um, that always interests me too. Now that they've opened it up a lot more, I wonder what would happen if like a lot of reviewers started going in and started putting the reviews like retro reviews it because we well can't. they are on re- yeah that's what I've been seeing happening. Um, one of the movies, ugh. guys, brown brain. One of the reviews for movies we did recently. Like, I noticed that, that a lot of the stuff on Rotten Tomatoes was actually newer and not at the time of the release of the film. And I was like, oh, all right. This is why the score is so much higher. It was people are going back and reflecting on the film and realizing what it was, what it is, and what it has done for the genre in general, which... That's, I mean, that's what we go over. Like, what have these, some of these slashers, like, done for the slasher genre in general? And some of them have done way more than, like, the most famous ones. Yeah. Interesting to look at. You're tomato approved, right, Molly? Yes. Have you ever gone back on, uh, I haven't, I haven't ever done any retro reviews. Have you ever done anything like that? Um, I mean, when I got approved, I went back and added, every single review I'd ever written on there, which took a really long time. (laughs) Um, But I haven't, I haven't like gone back and re-looked at films necessarily, but I did at least like 
because I, I don't do it as much anymore just because I've become way busier, but I used to do like throwback reviews. So like when I watched Reanimator for the first time, I did a review for that and I'm pretty sure I put that on. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Um, and Monster Squad, which was a really biased review because I gave it a 10 out of 10. <laughs> 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 totally biased, but <laughs> um, so stuff like that. Um, so that might boost their score just a little bit. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Um, that's necessarily a bad thing. I mean, it should be reflective of, you know, the populace of moviegoers and like movie reviewers and not just, you know, what it has been until recently, which is literally the same 10 people who have yeah. their own particular tastes and understandings of the genres. And usually horror is not one of them. Yeah. Especially not slashers. <laughs> I don't, I'm actually kind of surprised by looking at this rep reception stuff. Maybe this is something we should talk about later in the episode, but at least the few people, because most of the people that I know that like, that know this movie love it. Mm -hmm. um, but the few people that I know that don't like it, it's because they find it controversial to an extent. Um, um, because like the killer. The killer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I don't know if that's something we should wait to talk about <laughs> when we talk about our killer yeah when we talk about our killer we should yeah. definitely bring that up yeah. because i do we'll circle back to that yeah. i've thought i, can, I thought about that when i was rewatching. i can sure. see where your thought process is going yeah um for sure but i would expect like i honestly that might be part of why the score isn't quite as high yeah but um, we'll, we'll get to that right <laughs> what do you think of this cover this poster oh i think it's so so 2000s holy moly i it's like this uh, man it's i've seen it it's something else like this is every suspense thriller from like the late 90s early millennium had this sort of like wispy starstruck like heroine and you know, whoever is haunting her in the background, like, I'm pretty sure isn't this what the poster for Enough looks like? Like, all of those types of films. The Jennifer Lopez like, yeah. yeah, I think it is the same, just different coloring. It's pretty much the same. Right, it's like blue. Yeah. Um, this also looks you know, a lot because... like the Stay Alive poster. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, yeah, and like just the color bleeding where it's like all very monochromatic. This is all very, very red. Um, so it's fine because I definitely would have seen this on the shelf and been like, I know what I'm in for kind of, I would think this is way more of like a suspense than a slasher. Also, I don't understand why it's her dad in the background. Like why are, why is he so important? He's not, I mean, he is, he's integral to the plot of the film, but it's probably just because it, yeah, it's because yeah, it's yeah. Michael Bean, which yeah. now in 2020, you're like, what? But like when it came out- At the time, he, right. Yeah. So yeah, it makes it look like he's the one who's haunting her. But I mean, he kind of is, so, you know. In a roundabout way, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's not good, but it's appropriate for the time. So it gets a pass. I want to know when the poster was made, like when this poster, it, it's just odd to me that DJ Qualls gets name billing. Um, he's not in the movie almost at all. 
and his career hadn't even like become because he became like the quintessential weird like gawky kid in 2000s movies in uh-huh. road trip which came out in 2000 so i'm wondering if this poster like was right around there. yeah so it, yeah. It, i mean if it's like 2000 then that's when road trip came out so i could understand because he would have been like more um yeah, like, he's like recognizable like in the background of this film and like in yeah. the orgy scene he gets some lines yeah, but I just thought that was interesting. I was like, "Oh, DJ Qualls, huh?" And uh, who was the other? Oh, when I was when I was looking up the cast, that was it's not on the poster. But when I when I was looking up the cast, the other one who got like really high billing was um, uh, the guy from Brendan something. He, like, yeah, um, he got like mm. super high, even though he's just in the beginning of the movie, but because he was like name recognition, basically. Um, I had such a such a fat crush mm-hmm. on him when I was a kid. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. Bring it on, man. <laughs> Bring it on. Yeah, it did a lot for a lot of uh, – for both sides of the spectrum there. Um, yeah, I yeah, it's curious. So the other, like, popular – I mean, there's a lot of versions of this because I think this has been, like, out on numerous low-budget DVD distribution. Um, so there's some shady shady artwork when you uh type in cherry falls uh this is definitely the most superior and we'll post it it'll be posted on the website um and we'll post on twitter too uh so you can compare what some there's one oh man there's one that has like an illustration of somebody like with the knife and it's like the same picture of her face, but then it's like the car from the beginning and like the welcome to cherry Falls sign. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like none of this makes any sense. And then there's a really weird one that looks like it's a found footage film. I, I don't know guys. I don't know. I just want to know what some of these decisions were. Um, yeah, I don't know. You're the, you're the, uh, graphic designer, so you would be I, the one who knows. I, I, well, I do know. And it's, um, Hey, we got the rights to this, uh, movie to put it out on DVD, put something together real quick. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm looking that's, at the one that's you're what talking happened. about right now. Yep. <laughs> I pulled it up. <laughs> uh-huh. It hurts. Uh, uh, yeah. Screen Factory did their typical, um like illustrated illustrative cover for it which is funny they kind of picked the same imagery as like the shitty poster which i find like fascinating um but i do like that they included the killer um in the background but again even with the screen factory one it look makes it look more like a like blair witch found footage type movie, especially with how they portray our killer in the background. Looks like the goddamn Blair Witch. It's almost like a little more supernatural, but I love that tagline, lose your innocence yeah. or lose your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's it's solid. It's good. Um, no sequels for this, but I will say while- Sets you up for one. It sets you up for one. And then also while I was trying to see, I was like, maybe they did announce a sequel or like planned on it. They never did, but- there is a website online that is all about fandoms, and someone created a an entire cast and fake plot for Cherry Falls to pop your cherry. So that exists. Oh yeah, what happens? Um, um, it's just the killer comes back twenty years later, and they cast Gwen Stefani in it. What? So I don't know. Well, kudos on the twenty years later. So it should be out now. Yeah. Um, Get on it, people. 
Yeah. Cherry Falls to Pop Your Cherry at fan, fanon.fandom.com. Yeah, it's Gwen Stefani, Adrian Pilecki, or however you say her name, and then, uh, I don't know, Amber Tamblin was a fake ho- ho- um, Holly Montag. It's very odd. 22 years have passed. So since. this was cast yeah, in 2005. Yeah. It's, oh, it's 11 years after the original, so 22 years past the date in the original. I don't know. But it's just the oh return God, of Laura Lee Sherman. I'm just saying. Um, I feel like the there was a plan. They wanted to do a second one. It just I couldn't find really, anything on it. I think they talk about it in the Scream Factory Blue. Uh, mm-hmm. um, yeah, but that yeah, no sequel definitely gives you the stinger for one. It, this movie is ripe for remake. Like, especially right now, I think a lot of like the themes in this film would be very appropriate um, in our current climate and uh, they could, uh, it needs to be remade, I say. Yeah, I think it could be very good for like a sex positivity movie, which I'm down for. Yeah, we all Uh, like sex. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we do. Okay. Uh, I mean, I assume, I don't know. I don't want to speak for others, but I mean, I would guess. Um, oh, this is, let me take care of this right here. Uh, the, okay, the crew for this is kind of weird because like half of the crew did like this and like one or two of the other things and then nothing ever again. And then half the crew is like Oscar nominated. Um, so it's, yeah, it's very bizarre. So Jeffrey Wright did this. He's a cult Australian director who did Romper Stomper, which was like Russell Crowe's breakthrough movie. Um it was very like Guy Ritchie-esque and everyone kind of thought Jeffrey Wright was going to be like one of those action directors. Um, and then he came and he did Cherry Falls and he did a, a version of Macbeth in 2006 and he helped create the Romper Stomper TV show in Australia, but has never done anything else. So him and Jamie Blinks are just chilling in the outback together. Yeah. Uh, just like Australian horror directors who come and make movies in the dip um it's very odd and then same thing with the writer ken selden he made cruel justice the year before in 99 white lies in 97 which were both like true crime um thrillers and gone never wrote another movie um and then yeah walter rosawa the guy who did the score did a bunch of tales from the crypts episodes and then this and then never composed again he's been a music department member for um the arnold schwarzenegger movie eraser it's a dumb movie yeah Mortal Kombat, Minority Report, but never composed again. And then you get into the editor and the cinematographer, and you're like, what the fuck? Because it's, yeah, look at this. The editor is John F. Link, who did Die Hard, was nominated for an Oscar for his editing on Die Hard. Also, Predator, Roadhouse. This was his last credit as an editor. He's still alive, but um, this was the last time he edited anything. Oh, my God. Apparently, this set was, like, a disaster and, like, really negative and bad because like jeffrey wright and ken selden like could not agree like nobody none of the crew uh could agree whatsoever about the direction of the film i guess the cinematographer hated the director like i they all go into it on the screen blu-ray and like i guess jeffrey wright like accepts all of the blame and says oh yeah no it was totally me like i just (laughs) wanted to make a, a different movie than everybody else did he wanted to make like way more of a horror movie where Ken Selden wrote it more as like a satire comedy. 
Um, and then Jeffrey Wright came in and made it way gorier and took out like most of the comedy and didn't want that. And so that's why I think the movie does feel kind of like two tone where it feels like a true blue, like pre scream 80 slasher. And then it has all these like funny jokes and very, very post scream, like referential, like we know what we're doing type stuff. I don't know. It's a weird combo. And that totally makes sense. Like, with all the shit that was going on behind the scenes. And I do think it's funny that people who, well, not the writer, but like the editor and the cinematographer, like went on to do like really big things. We're like, peace out, Jeffrey Wright. Yeah. And then the cinematographer, Anthony B. Richmond did Don't Look Now, which is like a very well critically acclaimed horror movie um, starring uh, Donald Sutherland. Um, and then Candyman, which obviously we all know how big that is. And uh, then Legally Blonde, which is a great movie, just not horror. But like he, it's like he had this like one two punch <laughs> of like really powerful horror movies. And then he's like, and now Legally Blonde. Dope fast movie. Yeah. But good track record. Yeah. Um, the cast is fucking huge. It's so big. That's what I love about movies from this time. Is that it seriously is like a, if you pay attention to any type of like, especially TV shows or at this time it was more like made for TV type movies, like you're going to recognize all these people. And I love that. I love when even like the tiny minor characters, you know who they are, just warms my little TV loving heart. Yeah. Um that happened a lot, and I definitely recognized one of the minor characters in this was a main character on, well, kind of a main, a very important character on One Tree, one Tree Hill. Hill. Yeah. I watched, I think, character. the first season. Molly, were you a One Tree I Hill kind fan? Of fell off after that. <laughs> it's a good season. Yeah. yeah, I mean, one through four, very yeah. solid. And then stop. Uh, it's fine. It's no, fine. it's yeah, not it's fine. fine. No, you it's... can watch it. It's it it's. Just, it's fine. Um, Brittany you can't Murphy, see me right now, but I'm shaking my head now. I can see you. Uh, you can Brittany, see me. They can't see me. Oh, I'm letting yeah. them know. I'm disagreeing with you still. Brittany Murphy is our uh, final girl. Uh, Jenny yeah, for real. Uh, obviously very famous for Clueless Girl Interrupted, 8 Mile, and a number of other things. Um, Town Girl. Yeah, what's that one with Ashton Kutcher? Just married. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. It Again, wasn't R.I.P. Like a major part of my childhood. Brittany Murphy loved her. Was obsessed with her. I wanted so to be insanely talented too. Wanted to be her. As did she I think a lot of girls my age. Oh my god, like she's so amazing, and she like is so like she needed to be in more. She's such an incredible final girl in this film. And, like, bring so much to the role that could have easily just been so wooden and terrible. And she just oozes charm no matter what she does. It's an incredible talent lost. She had a lot of range, too. Like, so much range. Because mm -hmm. she came, like, from this and then, you know, like, obviously, like, Clueless. And then she was in Sin City and all these comedies that she was very good in. Yeah. Um, I know. That was a... That was a giant bummer. Um, Jay Moore is our killer. Uh, Leonard Marliston. Um, 
And so he was mostly known for being a stand-up comedian. He was very popular at the time. He was like one of those Comedy Central like stand-up comedians. Um, and he had a bunch of bit parts in like Jerry Maguire and Pay It Forward. He is a main character in Suicide Kings. I don't know if either of you have seen that, but it's excellent. Um, Dennis Leary and Christopher Walken. It's really good. Uh, it's like a weird 90s movie that like I just pulled out. I don't know. I saw it and I was like, I had to include it on there. Um, and then Michael Bean as Sheriff Brent Markin, who was very famous going into this. He was an Aliens, Terminator, um, Tombstone. Um, and then he kind of like, he his fame has faded since then. But he's a very famous like 90s name, Michael Bean. Like my mom definitely is like, oh yeah, Michael Bean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I always forget about him. I always think he's someone else. <laughs> what does that mean? I, I don't know. I'm always like Sean Bean. And I'm like, no, that's Sean Bean. And then I'm like, I don't know. I always think he's like a country singer turned actor, like one of those ones. I don't know. He looks like, what's his face to me? What do you mean one of those ones? How many country singers turned actors do you know? Okay. Dwight Yoakam. Okay. Uh, I think George Strait. No. Like one movie that he was forced into because he was a mega country star. Continue. Uh, uh i'll give you one yeah dolly parton there you go yes. tim mcgraw oh yeah tim mcgraw friday night lights exactly okay but i think i mix him up with george Strait. i think he looks eh, maybe not i don't know i'll so figure happy. it out one day i'll mm-hmm. figure it out one day what what country star he looks like but it's one of them uh candy clark as marge markin who had like some 80s fame she was an american graffiti and the man who fell to earth and then she would go on to play mostly bit parts but she um did show up in david fincher's zodiac um, I wish you could get away with naming your kid Candy these days. It's an yeah. interesting name. Uh, okay. I hate her character. Well, yeah. She's a drunk who married somebody she obviously loathes and kept a horrific secret her entire life. Well, I yeah. feel like she's like an extreme version of Nancy Thompson's mom. Yes. yes. Like an yes. even more awful person. Yeah. Yeah. And even like somehow overacting more because like <laughs> that scene where she finds her in the library, I was just like, okay, bitch, calm down. Like she's like, what are you doing out of the house? I was like, oh my God, calm down. And it was like, it was just like really over the top. And then like, I don't know. I was like that scene. And then, like, I mean, I get it. She like we're supposed to understand her intentions, but she's like super coming on to her boyfriend. Um, uh, oh yeah, let's see. I wrote about that in my notes. What did I say? Um, mom flirting with boyfriend. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Great notes. Thanks. Uh, yeah, but she's like, you got a cigarette, and like, and she's like, you know, these are bad for you. I was like, holy shit, lady! Like, you want to bang that kid so hard. Right. <laughs> yeah no like absolutely the grossest um please just send me to an early grave if i ever flirt with anybody my child is dating please no i have yeah, to wonder yeah. if that was her i mean obviously it was part of the script but the way she played it i wonder if that was her trying to inject some of the comedy that was supposed to be in it or yes, if she really I- is just that big of an over actor 
Right. Tone is really important. And if you're acting, and we've talked about this numerous times, if you're acting in a movie that's being shot a completely different way, I mean, you only have, you're going to come off like you don't know what you're doing. Um, blood Rage. Yeah. The, that's the, the big one I always think of is that, you know. Blood Rage, you like treated it like it was a soap opera while everyone yeah. else was this is a horror yeah. movie. So and it's like a-, a campy horror movie and played up the fun of it. She treated it like a drama and she seems fucking insane the entire movie. You're like, I mean, I think she what is, is wrong supposed to be person? insane too. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Very true. But yeah, she definitely but is. Like, she's like sitting in front of the fridge. eating. Like I think about that scene all the time when she's just sitting in front of the fridge eating the leftovers. Yeah. But like it works for that movie. <laughs> like, wow. so I mean, I can't. Yeah. Um, Amanda Anka as Deputy Mina, she had her big like breakthrough was she was in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, but then again, just a bunch of bit roles. She was in Lost Highway, um, Sophia Coppola somewhere. Um, Joe Insko as Principal Tom Sisler, who was in House of Cards in 42. Uh, Gabriel Mann, who has the most late 90s haircut I've ever seen, um, as Kenny Ascot. And I I realized I recognize him once I started looking through. Um, he's in the new Batman or Batwoman TV series on CW. Um, and then he was on Blacklist, but Revenge, I remember him being on. Which, oh, mm-hmm. Which I had forgot about that show. Um, which is a shame because it was really good for one season. But I definitely recognized him from there. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Natalie Ramsey as Sandy, who had like one big role in Pleasantville. Douglas Spain as Mark, who was in Band of Brothers and But I'm a Cheerleader. Brie Blair as Stacy. Kristen Miller as Cindy, who really didn't too much uh, do too much noticeable after that. DJ Qualls as Wally, who we talked about, and he was like in a lot of teen movies from then. He was in Road Trip and the new guy. A new guy? Yeah, the new guy. Um, yeah. So He's in was- that show, that zombie show, Z, right? That's what it's called. Oh, is he? I don't know. The boy- I don't. I don't watch zombie stuff. Sorry, sorry, horror fans. I'm not a zombie person. I mean, he I am. watches zombie Wait. stuff. He's full of shit. He just doesn't see. Are you talking about the one that things. was on Sci-Fi? Yes. Yeah, Z, right? Z Nation. He works. Yeah. Z Nation. I was like something. Yeah, he's like Wait, a main really? character. In that that can't be right because I watched that show. Yeah. No, yeah. he definitely is. It says yeah. he co-starred on Teen Nation. Yeah. yeah. No, he's definitely crazy. a big role on that show. He's the one who's like in a bunker, oh, like duh, all yes. by himself. Okay, yeah. For some reason, I was yeah. picturing a different person with that name. Now I know what you're talking about. Makes so much more sense yes. now. <laughs> you're like, what do you mean? I watched that show. I'm like, no, my husband watched all. Like, I watched some of it. My my husband's he loves all those shows. He's like loves the zombie shows. I'm like that one. I was like a little like I just couldn't get into it just didn't hit the right notes for me but like if it was on I'd watch it with him yeah I like him DJ calls yeah Yeah. and he was in Supernatural a bunch which I of course love yes yeah so it's a very like time appropriate cast for sure um and like Brittany Murphy and Michael Bean are definitely the most famous out of that cast uh, definitely teen scream and then it dabbles in meta we can see like b said it, it like touches around meta but um, never fully dives in and then i would even say like it touches in the like rape revenge storyline yeah. as well in a different way than most mm-hmm. films do but the... it definitely does yes 
yeah, actually, like rewatching it, I kind of forgot about that. And <laughs> wait, how? I don't know. That's I don't know. Pinnacle of the finale, or like brown, the big killer's brown reveal. Brain. Brown brain. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I just forgot like how much it went into it, and mm-hmm. um, I also wonder, like, because I, you know, like. I don't know. You guys might know more. Uh, Brave Revenge isn't really my specialty. Like, has that been done? Like, most Brave Revenge is the woman getting revenge. Like, has it ever mm-hmm. been the child? Like, can you think not of off one? The top of my head. Definitely not. Like, I can't yeah, think of an example. I mean, I'm sure it has been, but you know, yeah. N- I mean, normally, you know, all the famous ones. Um, it's always gonna, the woman yeah. her, because herself. That's- more satisfying to watch is her actually getting the revenge right or even like last house on the left is uh the parents well it depends on if you're watching the original or the remake i mean still kind of parents in the remake but mm-hmm. a little different i i don't know if i've ever revisited the remake since watching it i have one so it's really funny that that gets brought up because i uh my son's in a very destructive phase of his life. Um, and we used to have all of our movies and out on our shelves and he would take them out. And so then we bought these cubes to hide them. And now he is strong enough and smart enough and tall enough to get the cubes out. So now he brings out the cubes and just literally chucks the freaking Blu-rays and DVDs. Like I'm, Oh, it's a thing. Uh, and today when I was picking up after him, I saw my triple feature, which is um, the remake of Last House on the Left, uh, My Soul to Take, and A Perfect hmm. Getaway. It's those three movies. That, that is. is a weird triple. Yeah. But, I mean, it's like it was made for me. Like they're like, <laughs> what, what three movies should we put together for B? And – they're like, oh, yeah, these will do. And then I saw it at Walmart 10 years ago. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I need this. This this is for me. Probably I mean, the only person who's ever bought it. I would have bought it. I've never seen Perfect Getaway, but I love My Soul to Take. Excellent. Oh, we just watched it. Yeah, we just rewatched it. It's good. Yeah. It's got a good twist. Like, because it's one of those ones where you think it's going one way. You're like, oh, I see this twist. <laughs> and then it's like, psych. And they get you. Yeah. Like, it leads yeah. you to a twist that you're expecting. And then it twists you another way. And the cast, yeah. man, it's just A+. plus. Oh, yeah. It was a one plus. of Chris Hemsworth's first uh, films. Yeah. Yeah, he's a very good looking man. Did we rent it? or No, I think it's streaming on Stars. It's, it's, no, it's on Prime. Well, I have stars on Prime. Oh, yeah. So it could be on So stars. it's either Prime or stars. Um, yeah. But there you go. We watched that. Yeah. Um, and then so the killer, I think, and this would be a good time to touch on the yes. stuff that Maldi that you wanted to bring up. So our, our killer is Leonard Mar- Marliston. So, um, yeah, Molly, take it away. Tell so, us, uh, give us those insights. Basically, the rape revenge part of this is that his mother um when they were in high school right Mm -hmm. was raped by a group of the popular guys including Brittany Murphy's dad in this um although that part of it is weird because he like wasn't a willing participant so I mean in a way he was kind of sexually assaulted too but and they show them like lifting him up and putting him on top of her like he obviously didn't have any control of his body it's very weird um 
Yeah. But the problem that most people. Yeah. 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 They're, um, they're trying. You they're want, trying to play hate. his innocence. You know, they're trying hate. to be right. more sympathetic. <laughs> that sounds really weird. I regret saying that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you don't want to hate the bean all right that's our new catchphrase on the show actually but the problem most people have with it is because when marliston which is a mouthful of a name i wish he had a different name yep. leonard yeah. Marl marlton <laughs> it's like okay come on he dresses up as his mother to kill which is an mm -hmm. obviously homage to psycho um correct and people have a problem with that because the long history, especially in horror, but in film in general, where any kind of queerness is equated to mental illness. Understandably, mm -hmm. that's an issue. But he did, didn't think of himself as a woman and he wasn't doing it because he wanted to be his mom. It was more like a disguise to fuck with the guys that raped yes. his mom. Yeah. No, for sure. He does not think of himself as a woman. It's not like, I I know a lot of those movies, you'll like, they dive into like, almost like, um, like split yeah. personas. Mm -hmm. or Which is very much the case in yeah. Psycho. Right. Um, but he does it more, and it's implied that Laura Lee is dead. And he does it more almost like, like you said, he does it to fuck with the guys because they like, especially you know even after britney murphy like does the composite you mm -hmm. know that's when her dad they and recognize oh, oh, shit. Her, her. um yeah but i do think also it's a little bit of he's getting revenge yeah. for his mom by being his mom yeah. because he does go into like some intricate detail there is that scene in the basement where he's like putting his makeup on and like curling his lashes and stuff um so it's more than just like a simple like yeah. wig and dress. He's transforming himself. Yeah, he's trying. Her. Yeah, he's trying to embody his mother to sort of enact this for her because she's unable to, and then also for himself because in turn his mother abused him because she was abused, and so it's sort of like. I feel like you know they're trying to play with this idea that it's almost like he's getting this revenge and by doing that by his you know mother being vindicated from this experience it's going to like free him from what she yeah. did because of it and at least like watching his you know manic killer reveal which is like always my favorite it very much seems like he didn't you know this isn't something that he really wants to do he just feels like he has to like, this is just, this is what need, this is just as this town kept this secret. It's like very nightmare-esque. The town kept the secret um, and they need to be punished. So the adults who did this and knew and didn't believe my mom and knew that these four prominent good boys raped my mother and they kept it secret and didn't say anything and didn't believe her. Now I'm going to take the innocence yeah. from their children. Mm -hmm. That's his whole motive, which I mean, yeah. I mean, it's motive. a very understandable motive too. Like, I mean, really, yeah. it's, it's unfortunate. Yeah. And I mean, it's part of slashers and stuff 
um, that we see all the time where the kids are suffering for what their parents did. But at the same time, the parents kind of deserve yeah. whatever they get at this point. <laughs> right. No, that's, I mean, that's a huge trope of slasher films. And it's presented differently in this movie because that's part of the twist. But normally we get that we would have gotten the rape in the beginning of the movie and then flash forwarded, you know, what, I don't know if we get a time. I mean, they were in high school, so probably like 20 years or so. Right. We can, well, and he is the, he, we have to assume like he's, yeah, 30. Let's, you know, so we'll say like 30 years since it's happened. Normally we'd get that flash forward and we'd find ourselves back in the town and we wouldn't know how it was related. We just get it later, but that is like a massive integral plot to like 80s slash. That's part of the blueprint of like a slasher trope. And that's what really feeds into the I feel like this movie battles a lot and I and knowing a little bit of the background between the director and the writer and like what they were trying to do I think the director really wanted to do like a true blue 80s slasher and the writer was trying to do something that was very post scream and that's what we landed with something that's kind of the two battling each other in in this film um, which makes it super interesting. It makes some things not as successful. Um, but I do think sort of that marriage between the two, I mean, honestly, two sub genres of slasher. Um, I think it's really yeah. noticeable. In that, yeah. I didn't sure. know any of that background, but wh- as you were talking about it earlier, I definitely can see how you can see part of it. He really is trying to make like a really vicious slasher film but there's still hints of that like meta satire that's in there like like the I mean obviously like the nod to Psycho but then having it be like even some of his lines come across as being comedic like when he Mm -hmm. when they push the trunk down this into the basement yeah and she's like what's in there and he's like your dad maybe mine yeah like (laughs) just the way he says that even even though I feel like I'm not supposed to laugh in that moment. I always do. <laughs> yeah. No, because that's that's for sure your first reaction because it's uncomfortable because at that point you're like, but it is her dad. Yeah. Like, for sure, he's in there. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it could be his dad. Yeah. And and uh, no, it's totally jumps around because the entire premise is so meta too of just like, you know, we're so used to like the virginal final girl. And so like, you know, the entire premise is like, no, you got to fuck if you want to live. And it's like, what? Okay. So like, it's a, it's a really meta. And what's crazy about how they present it is with the first two kills, you really do think that the killer believes that they're sexually Mm -hmm. active because he finds the couple. So like the movie opens up, you've got the couple on lover's lane and like the boyfriend's pressuring the girl and then you know he dies first and then and i will say that this movie like doesn't fuck around like that first kill happens within two minutes and then we have the like showdown at the high school i wrote that down too because i really know 35 minutes in we have the showdown with our final girl jody and our killer in the high school 35 minutes in like it really doesn't hold back on giving you that stuff, which I love. Um, but yeah, we've, we can, from the killer's perspective, like that, 
that lovers lane scene you can they're up there to have sex so like there i mean how many movies do we have where that's where the kids get killed because they're being promiscuous and then the second kill it's the girl who's like rumors you know go around about her giving a hummer which i had to look up what that is um i was like i didn't know what that was i was like oh what's a hummer and i was like oh all right good to know i learned what that was from a snowboarding movie in the early 2000s but now i'm blanking at what it's called yes because they spray paint it on his hummer on his car yeah that's yeah one of my husband's favorite Uh, movies one of the best movies. It's such I a good thought movie. that I joke it. probably just completely uh, went over my head. Like I had no idea. I mean, obviously, because I had to look it up today and like I just never paid attention. And then I was like, huh. It's always scary too when I type I always have to go to Urban Dictionary. Like, hmm, do yeah. I wanna know? Do I wanna see? I, I specifically go to Urban Dictionary because I don't want pictures. <laughs> That's smart. That's smart. <laughs> I've learned. Smart. I've learned over the years yeah. with but anything. Yeah, so you could say, like, the killer, you you could still be led to the assumption that the killer thinks that she's sexually promiscuous. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they, you know, have the press conference and they're, like, analyzing the body. And this this is another part where the movie was, like, I laughed, but you just don't feel like you should be laughing. It's like the, um, what did they call them? The body examiner, you know? The coroner. Yeah. Uh, or medical corners, like, yeah. yeah like looking over yeah. the body it's like we didn't find traces of cum uh in the vagina on the mouth on the body and then there's like a pause and they're like or <laughs> the anus and I'm like, okay like that seems intentional also how do they know that the boys are virgins they don't they actually do bring it up they say there's no way that yeah they they do say he's like there's no way i can tell but he says the doctor says there's no way i can tell i can't tell if he was but i can tell that he did not do anything with her because there was which also like we all i hope we all know if not here's a a lesson in education you cannot tell if girls are virgin based on their hymen you can tell if there's semen present which is what they were doing they're just saying like hey there's been no like ejaculate around the body recently but they have no you have no way to tell if a woman is a virgin hymen or not fyi how many times can we say hymen okay Um. oh uh it's gonna come up again because it's one of my favorite lines in the movie uh i will say too like that's where you can see the tonal stuff though is like a lot of and it's dark but like a lot of it is like dark like sex stuff and then also but even like when she's trying to get kenny that when she's decided like i do want to have sex and she like puts her, her foot in his mouth harder. And she's okay. like harder harder and i was like the fuck <laughs> like i don't like that part like that part too and then like even the parents when like they're like numerous kids are dead at this point and he's like well, what do you want us to do tell our kids to go have sex and the guy's like oh, i don't uh-huh. think your daughter or or um, he's like, I don't want to tell my daughter to have sex. And the guy's like, I don't think you have to worry about that. And, and I was like, damn, like, <laughs> like that. Yeah. So like, you can see the tonal shifts, but it's very big because the killing and, is brutal. And it's brutal. And it's cut. This film is heavily, heavily edited. Um, because uh-huh. the MPAA is like, no, 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 this is like an NC 17 and they had to make an R. And it's – the director says, he's like, 
you know, the studio claims like all that footage is gone when they put it out to direct to uh, TV. They're just like, there's no way. And so they cut it. And the director's like, that, that footage is there. They don't ever lose or get rid of the footage. It's in a basement somewhere. Um, but yeah, it's it's surprising. Like when I was reading that, I was like, it doesn't feel like it was cut. No, not at no. all. Yeah, because there's, like, a lot of nudity and a lot of violence. And, like, I mean, you get – I'm used to the – especially I'm used to the slashers of the era. So even though movies like um, Scream are rated R, it's it's because of gore. Like, there's no sex or nudity in Scream. There's none in I Know What You Did Last Summer. There's none in Urban Legend. There's but they're all rated R because of, like, gore. Yeah. You don't see – you don't see oh, anything oh, there is sex. Yeah. Yeah. Right. There is sex, but there's no nudity. Yeah. Um, so – like this has like straight up nudity, straight up sex, and they cuss a ton in it, which I always thought was interesting too. Because even in those other movies, they don't even cuss that much in them. Um, but like they were like, I I was like, I kept forgetting like what era it was from because I was like, it's it feels a lot like those movies, but in a lot of it, ways it, it doesn't because of it how feels hard it very went. much closer to the aughts in that way. Where it's much yeah. darker, yeah. much more violent, much, so much meaner than the stuff out of the 90s. And, yeah, if it's more uh-huh. with like My Bloody Valentine like any, or Black Yeah, Hatches. any of that stuff where it's just, you're just like, fuck, all of these characters are assholes. All these people deserve to die. And holy shit, their head was cut off and there's like 5,000 pounds of blood. And oh my God, like it feels much more in line with that. Um, which again, I think it's just the time. Yeah. The time that this came out and that like wanting to do something more true horror from the director. Um, yeah. One of the favorite like little trivia things I read was that like the, or you know, cause the orgy scene is, is one of the things that's cut the most. Um, you know, they, there's lots of topless women and there's a bunch of people having sex and they showed a lot more than it's even in this cut. And there's a fucking lot in this cut, which is insane. I guess it was originally written them to all be under sheets and you would just see, you know, the sheets moving and then like visually it would have been very cool because, you know, there was all planned out like blood would splatter on the sheets and, you know, all this. But thinking of that, like I can picture it in my head, but that um, visual style and imagery would feel weird in this movie. Yeah. Because they don't make any other decisions like that earlier um and so i i get why the director was like no that's not gonna work uh i think it could have mm-hmm. been cool and it's a cool way to do it um but i i am glad that even with the scenes cut um it it is where it is uh our iconic weapon is he he i he uses a knife for the most part um but he does switch to an axe once he goes on his rampage like later in the movie uh so he kind of switches but i'd say the knife is the one used utilized mostly yeah. in the beginning um and it has a really big body count um there's 18 deaths 17 kills um yeah so like we talked about you know our our first two kills are rod and stacy who um I think they took like a scream approach to this too, because Rod was played by that character from Ring It On, whose name I cannot remember now, Jesse, Jesse, some, um, but like he was Jesse Bradford. So they kill arguably one of the most notable names right in the beginning of the movie. Um, 
and then yeah and then stacy um is is the next to go um and i thought it was interesting too that stacy and annette both there's like a hanging motif but then it like like he like you know props them up but then that's that's like it's just those two and then it goes kind of away from that but like those two especially are like very exploitative mm-hmm. uh, very like violently displayed um so yeah rod and stacy are the first to go and then annette i thought that scene was really brutal i think so i thought it was too and i think part of why it feels that way too is because she was scared even before she opened the door so the kill itself feels so much more raw because and it's funny this is where we first hear the name of his mom because he literally says like i'm laura lee like did your mom say i was stopping by And she's like, no, she's not home. And she's like hella nervous. And then she opens the door to like receive the letter. And then he breaks through the door and smashes her head in it and then proceeds to just fucking really murder her. And like getting bashed to death is way more violent than being stabbed. Like just the brute force that you have to do for that. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think, and this is, you know, this is part, you know, of, of the, the tropes coming through, but it's, there's, you know, a lot of red herrings in this movie and they want you to play the guessing game all the way through. They want that twist to be, to be a fucking twist. And I think this kill in particular kills like this are always ones where you go, okay, like, this has got to be somebody that's when you start thinking like, Oh, this person's strong. So, you know, maybe, maybe it is the dad, like what's going, like you start thinking of like those bigger male characters in the film and start going like, wow, that was like a really intense, brutal kill. Um, it's a little bit different than pulling somebody out of a car and stabbing them. Um, that's when you start switching. And so I think that is very intentional with how, how brutal that particular kill is especially after the first two which can conceivably be more believed as like oh well they like kind of snuck up on us and you know it wasn't i broke through your door lock and slammed your head between the door and the door jam five times yeah yeah that was brutal also how like when her parents get home and they're like all over each other i was just like (laughs) this movie is so fucking horny everywhere like it, every character is like so horny. Like Brittany Murphy is the least horny character in the movie until like the end when she like realizes. And then, but like up until then, I was like, God, even like all the parents are horny in this movie. Like there's so much of it in it. I think it's the horniest slasher I've ever watched. That's probably honestly part of the satire part too. Cause when you say that, when you talk about all the characters being horny, that makes me think of like teeth mm-hmm. where everyone in that is like, horny and to the point of being like rapey (laughs) but it's I mean I think that's honestly that's probably part of the yeah comedic part of it that was written in oh for sure everyone be horny would you see yeah a lot more like teeth Jennifer's body like really much playing into the fact that like sex is my number one priority doesn't really matter what the circumstances are yeah uh, Timmy is our next to go. Timmy is our token goth character. Um, 
uh, and he has his throat slashed off screen. And then I believe Virgin is written on his head. It's on the locker that she finds him in. And this is when she has like that big chase scene in the school, mm-hmm. which is really yeah, cool. Really cool. Um, and, like the way she gets away, like in the chem lab. It's awesome. It's a great, that's like what, that's usually something you don't get until the end. So it's so nice to have it so early in the movie. Um, and it was so nice to see. I just think there's a lot of vulnerability. There's a lot to to her character. And like I said, I think it's, it's just a huge testament to Brittany Murphy. Um, you know, you she feels scared and you like get that from her, but you still have so much confidence that she's going to figure it out. And she's going to, like, be able to slip away without having, you know, the the skill of, like, strength and the fact that she's just this, like, small high school girl um, who's, you know, in this moment terrified. And it's, it's it's extremely rewarding, like, when she gets away. And, uh, yeah, it's just so good. It's so – just feels a lot better than it should be. And honestly, this scene, when I think about it, it probably was another clue for us who the killer was, because that person really knew how to get around the school. Mm-hmm. And even though probably yeah. most of the parents went to that school, there have probably been changes and stuff since then. And that's right. like, you, you don't remember when you're not going through that those halls every day anymore. Um, so that probably at least narrowed down the suspects. <laughs> oh, for sure. And at this point, like in the film, because I remember when I first, not when I first watched it, but when I watched it recently, like like last year, um, I had remembered who the killer was, but I was starting to doubt myself because I'm like so suspicious of the dad the entire time. And her relationship with her dad is so fucking weird. And like, it's so weird and creepy to me. And I, I've always played that, like, I didn't really have a dad growing up. And so I'm like, is this what, like, a normal high school girl's relationship is with her father? Because to me, this seems really fucking creepy. But I don't know. Like, I don't have that experience. So maybe. But No, fuck. it's super creepy. I'm like, <laughs> it's super creepy. <laughs> okay, so I'm glad, like, I picked up on that properly. But I legit, like, especially at this point, like, after the last kill and even in the high school, I'm like, that's it's her dad. It's for sure her dad. And, like, maybe that is why she gets away like the vibes with every character is so strange but in particular the weird like doting virginal like you're my little girl and it well that whole thing where he's teaching her self-defense and they're like they trip yes, and they're on the that's ground. exactly what it was playing in my <laughs> head when i'm thinking is this a normal relationship and she's like on top of him yeah, and they like the the way the shot is framed is like a traditional like where they would kiss uh-huh. shot, and I'm like, this is fucking weird. Yeah, which I I mean yeah. I do I really do think all of that was intentional. I think you're supposed I mean rightfully so. I mean he was involved with a fucking rape and hit it, and what his involvement was like that you know weird gray area. He yeah hit it and allowed things to happen and covered it up for. 30 years. <laughs> okay. And then the, um, this is basically where we get like the bulk of our exposition. Cause, and it's smart. They front load it with a lot of kills and then they back load it so that the middle with the exposition, they don't have to like 
shoehorn any in um you know so she figures out uh like everything about laura lee and she's like deducing things on her own um and her dad like goes out to the house um and the kids have decided to throw this party where they're all going to lose their virginity um <laughs> which is fucking wild and, I know. Like, and it's like it's like everyone yeah. too it's yeah. not like just the cool kids it's like everyone is coming to this party and we're all gonna well, fuck like that's I mean, if that's the only way you can stay alive, wouldn't you? I mean, yes. Like, absolutely. <laughs> but what's so funny, too, is when they were in the auditorium and they were talking about, like, well, this is the, the killer's going after virgins. I'm like, that is, like, a really extreme conclusion to make to, like, profile these two people. I'm like, aren't, like, maybe aren't the majority of 16-year-old girls virgins, like, I mean, maybe. I don't know. I was. like I was, too. I, I was a virgin at 16. Yeah. I, that's young. I don't know I think how there's true a this lot. is, but I remember years and years ago hearing a thing that, like, the national average for losing your virginity was, like, 13. What? Yeah. I don't know I don't if know. it's I've, true. I've heard lots of – yeah, I don't know. Yeah. You know what? I'm just going to yeah. Google it. This is – man, my Google profile <laughs> Like, the shit I type into Google, I swear, someone in the FBI is just like, something is fucking wrong with this guy. If um, anybody needs to have the tape over their camera, it's Ryan. Yeah, that's actually, it's a national average age. But I felt like that was such a weird qualifier because, I mean, yeah, maybe it was just the people I knew. But, like, I definitely knew people who weren't. But the majority of kids I knew at 16, especially, like, 15, 16, were yeah. virgins. And... So I just thought that was like such a funny conclusion to come to. But so it, I mean, it's changed over the years, but the average right now is 16 years old for men, 17 years old okay. for women. Yeah. So that's uh, and the percentage and of Americans who have never had sex is consistently higher for women. So there you go. Um, yeah. Fun fact, guys. <laughs> so that's current. I mean, I I would assume it's gotten lower over the years. I um, it's got higher. Um, oh. I I I, list, I actually listened to this weird study that was like Gen Zers are not having sex as much as much as like millennials did and Gen Xers. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, yeah. So, yep. Fun fact. Horror right and education. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Woo! Let me What do you know? Uh, I guess. Oh, look! Right here, it actually says, "Yeah." Well, at some point, it was before sixteen. It was like before sixteen in the two thousand. So, I mean, definitely yeah. younger. Um. Yeah. So then, um, you know, the dad suspects it's the uh, it's Laura Lee. He goes to tell the principal who is dead, um, and he has not virgin etched into his head. Um, yeah, which is just wild. And then that's when, um, what's this guy, Leonard, that's when Leonard knocks out, um, Brent and takes him back to the house. And then we're given the whole plot line of like all of the, all of the students being at the party, which again, this is where we get like a big yeah. comedic, like, like that party is definitely like all comedy. Like there's the bit with like the nerds awkwardly approaching the other nerds. And like, um, you know, he's like, do you play death quake? And she's like, fine but you have to wear a rubber and then the other girl is like you're gonna give me all your cds foreign and oh, yeah. Uh -huh. and he's like, yeah and he's like no the cds and then she's like 
and she like moves his hand up on her butt and he's like okay and then she's like and your snowboard and he's like not my snowboard and then like she moves it up even higher he's like okay um no it's so good and it's so i love things that's what's like so great and like cry wolf is there so many moments in that movie where you oh know what God. year that movie was made and so that's what i loved about this because i was instantly like well there we go. She's bartering yeah. sex with CDs. So let's just place that right there at 2000. Yep. CDs and a snowboard. Yep. Um, yeah. And then, you know, uh, so this whole party is going on and uh, Kenny goes to find uh, Jody and she's not there. So he's like going to like see where she is. And of course that she has stumbled across our killer because she sees him lifting this heavy truck with her dad into the house. Um, and she like, they oh, she kind like of wants to have sex with him. Yeah, so they definitely allude that like she has a crush on him, and it's funny because you know Kenny is this like shit bag who like breaks up with her because you know she hasn't put out within a year in the beginning of the movie, and then as soon as she wants to have sex with him because of the killings, um. And it's not because she wants him. He's not into it. And as soon as, like, she's becoming the dominant one, um, he's instantly like, no, I love you. This should be about love. And she's like, fuck you. Like, no, it's not. Like, this isn't about that anymore. And I, like, love that part of her arc as well. She, like, goes from being this sort of, oh, my God, like, I love my boyfriend. I'm just not ready. I'm still so innocent and young. I'm not ready to go to that stage. And he punishes her for it and breaks up with her and then her dad basically punishes her for the fact that she's a virgin and says like oh like oh like you need to not be one and she thinks that she was doing the right thing by saving herself and like being this innocent little girl for her dad and then as soon as she makes the shift and says fuck either of these guys like I'm not gonna stay a virgin or have sex because either of them I'm going to do it because I'm going to survive she gets denied and he's not into it because it's not about his power play anymore I Can love I also that just say that there's mm-hmm. an extra layer of creepy when after like how they filmed the scenes with her and her dad and their weird relationship and then the guy that she like ends up wanting to fuck could potentially be her half brother like that's she oh, has a yeah. she, she really just wants to fuck her dad yeah. is what I feel is the moral of the story there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, what's the so opposite cool. of an Oedipus complex? Like whatever that is. There uh, is one, yeah, right? I can't uh, remember what it's called. Yeah. But I yeah. It's another Greek or Roman. Uh, opposite or of Oedipus. Lots of good an Electra complex. There we go. There we go. She's got yeah. an Electra complex. I can't wait for you to tell me what your um, ads are on Instagram tonight. Yeah, they're <laughs> going to be weird. Um, it's just going to be all sex stuff. Um, That's my one of my favorite. Speaking of TikTok, my favorite like little TikTok where they like grab their boyfriend's phone and they're like puppy, new puppy, German Shepherd, cute puppy, and like trying to get the the garnered ads for their boyfriend to buy engagement ring, princess cut, diamond, diamond, shiny, big, four carat, three carat. Do girls do that? Well, it's like the the Joe. I mean, maybe. Do they maybe do it for real? I don't know. 
I don't know. I'm married. I've never like gonna try. Dog. <laughs> Molly, Molly's husband would be like, I don't know why it's offering me so many fucking I mean, horror Blu-rays lately. <laughs> it's. I mean, honestly, I really want a bearded dragon, bearded dragon, so I can just yeah. dragon pet dragon. <laughs> But it's gonna be like weird stuff too, because it'll just be like stuffed dragons, and you'll be like, what? "What's happening?" Yeah, yeah. Especially if I call it a leathery puppy, which is what I like. Then you're gonna leathery get some PDS upset, like <laughs> leather daddy. Um, and your husband to be like, "Hmm, is this what she wants me to buy? Why am I being targeted? This all right." We're, he's gonna end up looking like the dude in the yeah she's oh, gonna come yeah. Home, zipped up oh in the bedroom and you're gonna be like oh all right not exactly what i was yeah. asking for but okay he's gonna like unzip the talk he's like damn it <laughs> <laughs> um so uh kenny actually you know kind of overcomes being a complete waste of space and shows up is that his name kenny yeah and he shows up to save jody uh while like after we get our villain monologue um they fail to save her father who is killed with an axe um and then they're running to the cat they decide to go to the cabin where everyone's having an orgy um, he also gets stabbed in the neck that part's yeah. like whew. well then it's neck and then head and they're both yeah. like sufficiently like blunt force trauma and it's like pretty brutal uh because deputy Bo like stops him he's like no you can't um like i'm i'm on duty and then he gets stabbed in the head and then I, I just love that they run to the orgy. Like their their whole thought process is like people. Like we just need people. We don't need weapons necessarily or armed people. So let's go to the cabin where everyone is butt naked fucking. So well, but are, isn't that where the cops were though? Yeah, weren't they like guarding the it, house? Yeah, but then they just run in yeah. and they're like, well, security's also- gonna kill everyone. The funniest part about that too is like when they're talking about knowing about the orgy party and they're like, well, we can't stop it. It's got to be like every other party until they start acting up. We can't do anything about it. And I'm like, I love that, that there's a bunch of cops knowing that there's all these underage kids just fucking and that's not illegal. So they can't do anything about it. They're just like, oh, it's the fuck shack. But isn't it at like an abandoned house? Isn't that trespassing? Probably, but I'm sure. I mean, they could, they could have found a way oh, to. They easily could have found a way. Um, but yeah, they break in and it's mass chaos. This this whole scene was great because it's like when someone goes into a crowded building and yells fire. Like everyone's just piling to get out yeah. and he just comes in with that axe and fucking starts swinging. Just like mm-hmm. doesn't give a fuck. There's no rhyme or reason to anything. It Like yeah. you look up the kill count for this movie and it literally says seven assorted students. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he just goes to town on him. And I love, like, it's very Scooby-Doo-ish. They're, like, running around, and she's, like, opening these little doors. Like, right. she opens that closet door, and they're, like, fucking in there. And she's, like, stay in here. And, like, shuts the door that comes oh. back out. And they're, like, running down the stairs, and, like, the banisters starting to give. And it's 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 so goofy, but also very violent. Because, yeah, he kills seven students. Crazy violent. And then and he bloody. kills Mark and Cindy. Yeah, he kills, like, ten I mean, three of the named students and then seven more. So in a span of, like, literally six minutes, he kills ten people. Yeah. It's like that scene in The Burning. Uh-huh. Where he which just, like, like, unloads. Yeah, which is always great. I love just a mass a mass ta- takeout. Because, right, that's supposed to 
be your safe zone where like as long as you don't split up you're okay so Mm -hmm. that's i mean part of why like the raft scene and the burning is so iconic because it's in the middle of the day you're you're like it's surprised you're like not expecting it and it's fucking like six kids on a raft all die like there's no there's no protection doesn't matter that you're with a group of people you're fucking you're dead yeah and what i like about this scene too is that if the kids like took a millisecond to think about it there's way more of them like they easily could have taken him down Mm -hmm. but because it's just like the hysteria and the panic and they all go running and trampling over each other and stuff like all those kids didn't need to die like maybe Uh one would have died trying to take the the axe from him and i'm sure there's one kid in there who wanted to go down for that so yeah there's always a kid with a hero complex oh that's me. Didn't they join um, the party like the, the pop your cherry party or something too? Yeah, since they're in the, Cherry Falls. Yep, it mm-hmm. is the pop your cherry. And the, the like the they make like a flyer for it, and it's literally a cherry having sex with another cherry. <laughs> that should have been the poster. Oh, it been. That I been saw weird. one when I looked the where it was like a cherry with like a screw in it or something. Yeah. Really? Like, oh yeah. Uh-huh. Like that's that makes me think now that I'm watching Slumber Party Massacre, not. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so Jody manages to push him out the window finally, and he falls on the fence, and then it's our classic, you know, we think the killer's dead. And then he gets back up, and then there's, like, the jump, and then um, Deputy Mina's there to save the day. She unloads, like, two pistols on him, so he's, like, definitely fucking dead. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. Yeah, and then we get our wrap-up where, um, you know, she decides not to come forward with everything because she knows the motive, and, like, everyone's like, so you don't have any idea why? And she's like, nope, and, and um, you know, like, she decides to not talk about it and with her mom, and they decide to, like, move on with their life. Um, yeah, and- because, you know, she has to save the honor of her father, who is yeah. her true love in life, obviously. <laughs> Sorry, I just made a face that no one can see except for these two. I like rolled my eyes and stuck my tongue. But I mean, honestly. Yeah, yeah it's it's uh, gross. And then we get our also our stinger where she thinks she sees the real Laura Lee behind a school bus and the school bus leaves and it's not there. And then the last shot of the movie is just the waterfalls turning blood red. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How do you put that in? That makes me Which wonder too if if she had come forward and like told the truth, would we not have seen Laura Lee for that split second? Did we see her because she didn't tell the truth? Yeah, exactly. It's Mm -hmm. because the, we're just repeating the history. We're covering up the massacre and like the wrongdoing. So literally all those kids died in vain because there was still no true revenge seeked out besides the fact that, the father's dead and does the principal even die yeah yeah, the principal dies yeah 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 the principal so what? the the two out of the four yeah because i was gonna say there were four raped. guys like the, the other two guys are still alive right they like never talk about yeah. them like i they, think that's i I mean i would assume that's that's part of like trying to lead into the sequel is that they left for another town mm. um and then yeah our so our final girl is jody markin who we've talked about quite a bit um we definitely like our final girl other than her weird father complex um which was you know written into but Brittany murphy also just brings so much dimension to jody um and she 
has a very different character arc than most final girls. Um, you know, whereas most final girls are like the virginal girl and like they have to overcome all this adversity and like they remain that. Like her arc is kind of like she decides she's going to have sex and take control of her own like destiny here. Um, which I think, I think she's a little different because I mean, there is some circumstantial stuff, but like where a lot of final girls are forced into certain things, she does a lot of this on her own. Yeah. She's in a lot more control because I mean, for the most part, besides the threat of, you know, the fact that she was attacked um, because, you know, she's a virgin and you know we later find out because of her relation to the killer um but it's exactly that it's most of the times you know we get our final goal taking it into her own hands to overcome the killer who has been tormenting and stalking her the whole movie she decides to do it to avoid yeah. that mm-hmm. yeah to prevent that from actually happening which doesn't help because she's not aware though she walks right into the situation unaware mm-hmm. she thinks she's gonna solve her problem and fuck her teacher her, really her teacher brother. it's her brother who wants to kill her yeah her, her teacher, teacher brother, brother. <laughs> not a phrase you're used to hearing man can't wait to go fuck my teacher brother literally the only time anyone's <laughs> ever said that first person in the world to have said that sentence and now it's going to last an eternity. Yeah. You'll forever be known. Aliens will come across civilization one day and listen to our podcast and be like, you, what is wrong with that? It's going to be on my uh, gravestone in quotes. Yeah. Can't wait to fuck my teacher. In hell. Now that she's in heaven, she can't. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, Molly, at the end of the episodes, we do pick our favorite kills um or your favorite kill not kills um but your favorite kill in the movie um b what's yours um i have to go with you know i'm always drawn to like that first kill but i'm not going to even though i do really like it and i'm gonna have to go with the dad dying like it's you one i mean i just just don't trust him the entire movie so i'm not sad to see him go um you you know you get a little conflicted about his involvement and what's happening and sort of this torment he's put on upon his wife and himself and his family in the town and consequence and in the scene like you you think he's going to get away you think all right well you know, here's the dad, he's the sheriff. Um, He doesn't kill him. He just puts him in this trunk. And then, you know, he gets out and it's a fucking vicious kill, like stabbed in the throat and then ax to the head. Um, And like the blood splatters on our killer. And it's a really like an emotional kill too, because that's the love of her life. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean her destiny is gone forever she'll never she'll never have the opportunity to live out her days with her father in peace um no i meant emotional for our killer oh yeah um because this is you know this is the person who's you know caused him so much pain um and who hurt his mother so terribly and and you know, got to live this perfect life where he was, you know, raised chained in a basement. Um, and 
he shouldn't have had that life and just it's a lot of layers to it for a fucking slasher movie um so i just think it's like a really besides being a good like vicious kill that uses like both of our iconic weapons it's it's a pretty pretty heavy one too yeah. Um, I'm going to swoop in on your territory here and actually say the favorite, my favorite kill is the first kill because it sets the tone. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like you immediately know like, oh, this is a teen scream, but it's a different level than mm-hmm. what we've been used to in the era. And you see your killer so early. It's not um, – and, and that's sort of the – post scream because you know we see we see ghost face in the very beginning but in the 80s you would never you don't see your killers that early it's just alluded to like even in nightmare you know like you they dream about freddy but he's barely you know because he's not strong enough you just barely see him or like he's in the shadows or you see the gloves like it's always alluded to and then you get like this big reveal and no they like literally don't fuck around in this movie and like right out the gate they're like nope here he is yep and I like that. Uh, Molly, do you have a favorite kill? Mine is pretty much the polar opposite of B's choice. <laughs> because my favorite is the one that cracks me up every time. So it's not emotional at all. Um, I can never remember his name, but the deputy. Um, because he even says oh, something yeah. like, oh, I'm manning my post. I can't just split. And then he gets the yes, right exactly in the middle of the head. Yeah. It's like, well, obviously you can. And it's, it, yep. again, it's, I like those little, even in totally straight laced horror, like I know this one was supposed to be comedy and then it wasn't, but um, I like injections of comedy like that in my horror. Um, so to have, like, it's kind of funny that they just went from this really emotional, like intense scene with dad in the basement uh-huh. stuff and then go to that. <laughs> it's just, yeah, with like a freaking one liner and everything. Yeah, it's, I, it cracks me up every time. I love it. No, the la- the co- the movie we covered last uh, week, Dream Home. Um, there, that pff, talk about some really intense kills. That movie's rough. Um, but there's literally one kill. Well, not one, but like there's one scene that has a couple kills in it that are like on the comical side, and it's it it's just the one that gets me. I'm like, yeah, this is this is what I'm here for. I'm I'm here for like the guy bleeding out and like. <laughs> long. like i'm good for that uh b you want to go ahead and say these quotes because i'm not going to oh come on right I'm, uh, I'm gonna need you to say hymen before the episode's over i'll say the other one uh i forgot i was hanging out with the poontang clan yeah <laughs> instead of the wu-tang clan get it also i had friends who called it poon and i <laughs> it. i totally forgot hate that was it. a thing <laughs> uh b say your hymen line <laughs> Oh, um, see, I got you to say Hyman. Um, we're talking Hyman Holocaust here. I love that. And so good. I just, big old smile on my face. Gotta love that alliteration. Fun fact yeah. that's not the really Hyman even Holocaust. a fact. There was a long rumor on my mom and, or my dad's side of the family. My, my maiden name is Brass. And there was a long time where there's a rumor where... <laughs> Supposedly, my ancestors, when they came to the U.S., they were Jewish and they changed um, their last name. And supposedly, the original last name was Hyman. Oh, okay. It has been disproven because, like, my mom is 
all up in ancestry.com and I'm the one that usually does everything on there. So like, we know it's bullshit now, but it's, where does that even come from? That's such a strange rumor to exist. And like, why Hymen of all? Is that weird? (laughs) It was probably like a grandpa in your family, like telling that story, like as a joke or something. My husband thought he was Italian like like half or like at least a quarter Italian and we did the DNA thing and he's like two percent Italian <laughs> like he has like family that came here from Italy but by blood they were not full Italian so it cracks me up I'm like sorry to burst your bubble but we found out that he has ancestors from like Cameroon which is pretty cool wow yeah. I do I not fancy <laughs> I haven't done mine, but my mom did hers, and it's boring as f. It's like literally ninety nine percent English from England, hella British. Didn't come over here until like, you know, they went came to like Missouri not even that long ago, like a hundred hundred fifty years ago. Like literally, like that's it. And then she's like, oh yeah. And then there's like a point zero five percent Irish, point zero five percent Russian. The rest literally English. I'm like, good to know. Yep. I mean, that's I've never done it, but my brothers have. They're my half brothers, but so all of my mom shit. And my mom is like, it's like you're ninety eight percent Norwegian. And I'm like, yeah, that tracks. <laughs> like, white as shit. I get it. Yeah. Uh, it's this movie's position in the horror landscape. Um, it's a I would say it's a cult classic on the rise. Um, Correct. Yeah. We're seeing a lot more people come forward to talk about it now. Well, and we're on the 20th anniversary as of, you know, October of this year. Well, I guess technically August, if you count the UK release. Um, But it's, it's the year of. Um, Yeah. So I think it's getting, the buzz is happening. Scream Factory doing a blue helps, of course. Um, bring exposure and you know information and uh i definitely think it's going to see later than it should have but sort of like the recent surge of love for jennifer's body i feel like this is going to be right there next to that where people are like hey remember that movie that everybody didn't like when it came out and now we're all like fuck yeah it's cool it's gonna um so at the end of every episode b and i um List the what, what? What I normally say here? I don't know. Brown brain. Brown brain. I don't know. Uh, at the end of the day, we rank movies. movies. <laughs> yes, we rank movies. Uh, you can find the as it says right here in our notes. Yeah. Rank we, it. Rank yeah. it. You can find the list at keepstreaming.com slash the dash list. Um, this will be our sixty fifth movie. Um, at the bottom of our list, we still have both the April Fool's Days, and then at the top, the original Nightmare on Elm Street, followed by the original My Bloody Valentine and the original Black Christmas. Um. B, what are you looking at here? I mean, it. Oh, dude, I did not do any forethought into ranking before this um, because I felt like we needed to talk about it before I could mm-hmm. really feel feel where it belongs. It's very slasher. I- it's super slasher. And the more, and so I really felt this way going. And, and like I said, I've, this is now probably like the fifth or sixth time I've seen, I mean, I've always liked this movie. It's always been, I watch it when it came out. Um, it's probably like, yeah, fifth, sixth time I've seen it. Um, I, and I really truly believe that it has so many elements of like the eighties blueprint and just those like post scream meta 
satire stuff meddled in, Mm -hmm. but it, it, it much more so follows the blueprint than a lot of the post scream stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think because of that, it's going to rank a lot higher than I think you would normally think. I mean. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I'm looking like literally right under my Bloody Valentine remake, like right around there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because um, it's not so much in the fact where, you know, if you listen to our episode of I Know What You Did Last Summer, uh and I didn't realize this until, and I mean, obviously that, that movie is adored, uh, rightfully so, mm-hmm. but that movie is like the opposite of Scream and is literally a 90s blueprint slasher. Um, it just improves upon it. It's an, it's an incredible um, example of taking a blueprint from the 80s and like using all these tropes and modernizing it without making fun of it or being like aware of it um where this one doesn't do that um because it does still have that like post cream influence um so it 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 deviates from that and like i was saying earlier with this the story structure even though we have like the big tropes of this like we have this catastrophic troubling event that happened in the past that is then affecting the small town and the kids, the teenagers that reside in it. Um, That's like a massive trope. We have like a maniac killer reveal that's uh, family related. Um, That's like crazy big trope points. Um, We have an awesome final girl um, who has an arc of growth and strength. And um, it, it like just really hits all of those notes it just muddles itself a little uh, when it's dealing with how it's presenting its kills and how it's presenting the story because of the the meta satire elements. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what do you think? Like, or like, I mean, it's got a better final girl than Urban Legend for sure. Oh, good lord. <laughs> She's so bad. Yeah, she's the worst. She drags that movie down. Um, <laughs> have you watched it recently, Molly? She's awful. Um, Natalie. I have watched it recently, and I absolutely fucking love that movie. Oh, uh, but yeah. I do agree. I, I don't like her, but I love the rest of the movie. Like, yep. I, I prefer that over I Know What You Did Last Summer. I know people are going to hate me for saying that, but... No. Fuck you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> No, valid. I, uh, yeah, I mean, I love both of them, but I definitely am in a high, like, urban legend is um, incredible camp. I think it doesn't get quite as much love as I know what you did, and that's not fair, because they're they're very equal to me on that level. Um, I mean, I definitely put this hmm. above Sage right. So the question is, is it better than my Bloody Valentine as a slasher? Does it work more? And I do think Bloody Valentine works a little bit better because it's not as muddled our our story i mean our killer motive is like dead on like what we're looking at mm-hmm. um, extremely focused yeah. um i a comparable final girl um you know jamie king is great in that movie uh-huh so like i'm looking like right there so i think it does just fall short a little short of my bloody valentine plus yeah. it doesn't have 
the heartthrobs that my Bloody oh, Valentine remake has. That's true. There's no uh, Jensen Ackles in Chris Smith. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. It hadn't quite hit that. It, it hits the notes of like getting people who were recognizable at the time, even if they were entry level. Um, but it misses the like full blown aughts trend of just hiring the sexiest CW actors <laughs> and throwing them all in a movie together and literally making my hormonal teenage yeah. self. That explode. was my favorite trend of slashes. Uh huh. It's big. That is how I fell in love with slashers. That's me and B's favorite trend for sure is we call them the CW slashers yeah. because yeah, it's all the hot people from the CW were put into horror movies. And I was like, uh huh, yeah, why'd that stop? Yeah, like. Now they're all in like sick lit movies. I'm like, get out of here. I don't need to watch that shit. <laughs> um, okay, so it's our new number 14. Correct. Cool. All right. Um, before we wrap up, Molly, I know you touched on everything you are doing, like on where we can find you. Is there anything like that you wanted to promote? Um, like anything in particular? Um, obviously I'm gonna promote We Are Horror because that's like oh. my next big thing coming out is yeah going to be in the first issue which i'm really excited about and i already pitched for the second issue so <laughs> yes yeah we're gonna have a meeting soon oh my god the amount of submissions we got for the second issue is Insane. like it's yeah. overwhelming like, I'm, I'm not surprised the, yeah i don't know if you guys saw so the guy who plays the main male killer in the strangers pray at night he retweeted the submission thing and he's like hey everyone you should do this it's about slashers and then like instantly i was like oh we have like 100 submissions Yay. i was like fuck yeah <laughs> i mean that's um, amazing, so it's cool it's but all... also holy shit yeah it's a lot of work but that's why i pay the editors um so i mean that is literally their job so I, we go over it together but yeah thanks for promoting that i mean so august 14th um any listeners if you can you can still um some um donate to the patreon and you will be eligible for that first issue um it's four bucks a month um eight bucks for the higher tier where you get essays from um either the two founders of the two editors um and again that is uh it's a new magazine it's an e-zine um and 80 percent of all content is guaranteed to be from female writers um and also writers from um, the queer community uh black indigenous people of color and disabled writers um and it's completely nonprofit, so I don't make any money. All the money goes straight to the writers, and then the more patrons we get, that we can up our um, up our rates uh, and bring on more like graphic designers. And Molly, what's your? Um, tell them what your. Uh, I guess we'll give them a peek. What your um, article? Um, my article is going to dive into how the film Death Proof is a perfect example of a rape revenge film. And why, in many ways, it is superior to a lot of the rape revenge films that we see. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it is a great piece. I've got to read it. Um, we're very excited about it. And that'll be out August 14th. Um, and that is going to be it for us. We'll be back in two weeks with a movie that we haven't decided yet. Um, and, <laughs> Big surprise. Yeah. We'll get organized one day. And until then, keep screaming.